Hello. Please let me see your ticket subs for the Double Edge Double Bill. This week, 2022 drives an ambulance into deep water. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 or to seal their fate to the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas, and I like to mountain bike everywhere. But actually, it's clearly not me. And I'm Thomas Mariani, and I, I gotta just get in the mood to podcast real quick. Hold on, let me just put it on sailing. Takes me away, and I don't know where I'm going. You make me feel like dancing. I want to dance that <laughs> way. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting needle drops in both our films for the evening. Yeah. Yes, yeah. uh, but welcome everybody to the Double Edge Devil Bill, where if you're new, uh, every week Adam and I talk about a good and a bad feature related to a topic that we pick at the end of the previous episode. And uh, the topic for this week is uh, we're halfway through the year. So we decided, you know, we do this every single year, Adam, where um, in the, about the midway point of the year, at the very end of the year, we talk uh, about movies that uh, came out in the year that we're recording. So uh, right now it's 2022, and we got two 2022 releases. Uh, Adam, putting aside, you know, as we talk about, I guess every year we've done this show, the years get... Um, Shittier? <laughs> Shittier is the nicest way to put it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. In terms of overall stuff, it's fascinating to at least look at cinema and where it is currently. <laughs> and uh, what do you think of uh, the movies so far, 2020? I think for what's been good, it's been stellar. I think there have been a lot, a lot of really good ones this year. Um, and even uh, the best of the new phase of MCU movies? Uh, which is, you know, not saying much, but the really good one. Really cool to see Sam Raimi doing Sam Raimi shit. Five Cream, great. Um, just Jackass 4, even Jackass 4.5. Uh, you know, the, the Northman. I mean, there's been a lot of great stuff this year. A lot of great stuff. I've seen more good than bad this year. Right. Um, as is also per usual of the year, you've seen less movies than I had necessarily uh, because I'm a freak who has no life. So I'm just like, movies, baby. Let's let me go watch yeah. more movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, 100%. <laughs> and um, I would generally agree, though, that I've uh, watched more at least interesting or fun uh, things as of yet in this year so far. And even the bad ones, I think, have been fascinating, if nothing else. Um, and even just in terms of, like, the past couple of years, we've been talking about the fact that, obviously, COVID happened in 2020, and theaters have slowly come back. Like, 2021 was a bit of a rocky, uh, you know, period for that, like, oh, how much is this working or not? And then, by as of yet with 2022, it seems like there's been a robust season. If nothing else, the signs of, like, everything everywhere all at once... Uh, doing as well as it has has been interesting and even the fact that we're recording this and Top Gun Maverick has been massively successful in a way I didn't expect no me neither at all like I expected it to do pretty well just because of nostalgia bait and stuff like that but I mean the fact of the matter not only has it done so well financially but critically is kind of mind-blowing to me 
Yeah, even the fact that it's just been as successful with like modern audiences, because like we even talked about, like we're, we're not Top Gun fans. We figured, I don't know, is that nostalgia there for people? I guess it's there, but also the word of mouth on the movie itself has been so stellar. And as someone who's seen it, especially a big screen format, I get it because it's uh, miles ahead of the original movie, and it's so stellar, and it feels like Tom Cruise is coming back in. Like you thought I was done being the best movie star ever? Fuck y'all! I'm not just Mission Impossible anymore, baby. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yes, you have not. <laughs> um, and we should also point out, if you become a patron, uh, we do talk about um, very recent releases on our show, On the Edge of Relevance. And if you become a patron for $1, you get to, you know, we try and at least put out one of those a month or so. Um, usually, as of right now, it's more when someone comes to, like, either streaming or VOD, we talk about it. But uh, we like doing that show as well. Yeah, that's really fun. Super, super fun. Just a little quick blurb. And uh, most of the time, uh, you know, if you go by... Uh, the track record we've been fans of most of the things we've talked about yeah though we did also do probably our most um scathing episode this year talking about the texas chainsaw massacre movie oh no without a doubt i re-listened to that recently i'm like oh damn we were very very bitter about that that might be our most scathing review period be it on any of the or normal we show were just like by the end of it, just like torches and pitchforks against texas chainsaw. oh yeah <laughs> fuck this piece of shit fuck it <laughs> And now we're saying that, but we're about more calm about it. Just, you know, fuck that movie. It's terrible. Yeah, fuck that movie. Right. It's terrible. <laughs> it's getting well, a sequel, though, baby. I'm, I'm sure it will, and I'm sure it'll be dumped on Netflix and be oh, very yeah. talked about for, like, a weekend and then disappear off the face of the earth. And, and be terrible. And I think that's another thing also to point out is just, like, with movie theaters doing as well as they have, it also seems like there's been a weird reckoning with some streaming things, particularly with Netflix, where we've joked about this before, like, oh, Netflix will buy anything, uh, based on that report they put out a couple months ago, just like, yeah, we're not doing this great, so we're gonna cut our losses on a lot of things. Uh, I think it's also interesting just to note that maybe streaming isn't the massive boon for, like, you know, mid-budget movies that they sold themselves to be. Yeah, that's true. God, you're smart. <laughs> Day. That's why people come. Just like me being smart, you'd be like, oh, golly gee, you're right. I guess so. <laughs> I just see the moving pictures on the screen. Those people look like real people. <laughs> uh, well, Adam, let's get into our double feature, because at the end of the last episode, uh, we picked at least a bad pick, but our patrons over patreon.com slash gedbpod, more on that at the end of the episode, did pick another choice uh, for us to cover, and uh, basically we'll be talking about my bad pick, which is Deepwater, that we picked at the end of the last episode, and you had the pick of Ambulance, but that was chosen by our patrons via Patreon poll, so we'll be talking about uh, both those movies this week, but let's start off with Deepwater. Why is mom so different around other people? I think this is who she is. Of course. You're not born. No. The fact that she's comfortable flaunting all these relationships around all of us, you're better than that. She's different. That's what I like about her. I just want to feel joy in my life. You want to tell me why you didn't come home last night? Not really. It's always been a game. Do you think we'll ever be just happy? God, I hope so. 
So Deep Water came out on March 18th, 2022 via Hulu. Uh, so not a theatrical release. It was originally meant to be that, but because of obviously COVID delays and stuff, they ended up not coming out until uh, this past March uh, from director Adrian Lyne, who interestingly uh, was very famous for doing sort of like erotic thrillers in this vein in the 80s and 90s uh, with stuff like uh, you know Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal. And uh, this uh, movie is actually his first movie in about 20 years since Unfaithful. And just another fun bit to point out, it's based on the novel by Patricia Highsmith, but it is written by both Sam Levinson, who people know from like Euphoria, amongst some other things, and also Zach Helm, who was the guy who wrote and directed our bad pick from last week, Mr. Gregorium's Wonder Emporium. <laughs> Did you know any similarities in the structure of this film with Mr. Gregorium's Wonder Emporium? Well, I, no, I guess not. Um... <laughs> um I, you know, I'm going to let you go first on this one. What did you think of Deepwater? Well, yeah, I'll go first. And also, I'll start with a bit of a plot synopsis if people aren't aware. Yeah, go And also, I guess we should say fair warning for both these movies. Uh, We talk in depth about both the movies we do for the show each week. And Uh these are newer movies, so spoilers for Deepwater and Ambulance. Spoilers? Oh, no. (laughs) Police Mr. McCormick stayed back back in last week. No. (laughs) He's from, he's rising from the grave. I got new shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Look at them. Ooh. (laughs) They're made of human skin. Um, but. God. Good Lord. (laughs) So, um, Deepwater, basically, it's a story about, um, this married couple, uh, who are Vic, played by Ben Affleck, and, Melinda, played by Anda Armas, who um, live in Louisiana, in New Orleans specifically, um, and are a very rich couple because uh, Vic had developed the basically the computer chip that goes into drones to shoot people down, um, and uh, he has retired, and he's just living off a lot of money from getting that particular chip into production. They have a child, uh, Trixie, and uh, their marriage is in a bit of disarray because, um, you know, Vic wanted to really have the child, and Melinda was like, well, you know what, I guess I can give you this, but I didn't really want that with my life, so the trade-off is we get to be a family, and you don't, you know, you don't want me to divorce you, that's fine, but I'm gonna fuck around with so many dudes all the time and flying in your face, and Ben Affleck was like, deal, I guess, but he has noticeably become a lot more bitter and angry about this agreement that's gone on, and has been concerned that Anadarmus has, uh, you know, become a lot more of, like, an alcoholic, and is drinking a lot, and he ends up having uh, sort of sinister undertones fucking with um, her various boyfriends who she brings over to the house and shit like that um, and might, you know, implies jokingly like, oh, I'm a murderer, lol, JK, right? Or maybe not. Um, and the movie's basically about, like, maybe is he a murderer, is he not? I don't know. Um, it's not necessarily that um, subtle about what it is with this character. And yeah, this is uh, trying to be sort of like an erotic crime thriller. And um, it's not a genre that like I've as familiar with because like honestly that genre kind of like came and went long before I was watching movies consistently. I'd heard bad things, so I was like, okay, let's see how this goes necessarily. And um, despite being our bad pick, I end up kind of enjoying Deep Water as, uh, to me at least, I consider it pretty watchable trash. Um, I think there's some fun performances from the various different actors in here, and also I think Adrian Lyne's a pretty solid director. Um, clearly, the script from Helm and Levinson, I think, is very tonally bizarre and weird and kind of all over the place, but I think the actors and the director kind of run with that in ways that sometimes don't work, but I think more than not make at least like a fun ride, if not you know, maybe a great ride. It's kind of like a fun guilty pleasure movie for me, where I would watch and be like, oh man, this is some dumb shit. But go on, please, do tell. And I kind of had fun with it myself. 
Yeah, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, it's it's too long. There's no question about what's going on in the movie. Like it, it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, even the big shocker reveal is not that shocking. Uh, he he basically is the creepiest fucking dude in the world, right, right from the beginning. Um, and you know, it's just it, it. There's no surprise here to me. Uh, they fall back into these sort of raunchy sex bits too much for me, um, which I get. It's supposed to be sort of this erotic thriller, and that's fine. But they even fall back into the same sort of move, I guess, if you want to say. There's a lot of hand stuff that constantly is happens, and you're like, okay, all right. I've seen this now five times. None of it really works for me. The funniest part to me is that Dash Mihok and fucking Laurel Howery are Ben Affleck's best friends. Like, right, of course. No, they seem like a natural friend group. Absolutely. <laughs> that is a the three amigos, baby. Um, but none of it it just doesn't work for me. Ben Affleck, granted, was probably tired. I think this is right after his sort of the comeback from his big fall with his substance abuse and stuff like that. So he looks exhausted. I think that might be the point of the character as well. But he looks really tired. I, he, it's not that he's phoning it in, but it's not really like a great performance either. Ana de Armas is fine. It's not the best performance I've seen. Like, Knives Out is still good. Even uh, No Time to Die, really good. This is more knock-knock to me, which, woof. Although I will say she was the best part of knock-knock. But um, it's just, it falls flat to me, ultimately. And the, the final sort of bit with the bike in the car is so laughably stupid. And the thing is, they're not going for that. They're not going for it to be trashy, like fun. He's trying to really make like another unfaithful or a, you know, basic instinct sort of erotic thriller. And it just, it doesn't work for me. And I don't find any of it erotic. I don't find any of it thrilling. I just think it's a ultimate huge bore fest. I think the part you're forgetting about with that finale that would make me disagree with the idea that they're not trying at all for that is I think you can agree with me. The MVP of this movie is Tracy Letts is Dawn. Who every time that motherfucker shows up, he's so fun. He is so like I think they're really embracing the fact that this dude is walking in on this weird scenario where this couple is like shambling and doing horrible shit, and he's just like these motherfuckers. I don't get it. <laughs> like all of his reaction shots are phenomenal. Even during that finale, all the stuff which is like goddamn fucking autocorrect and shit like that. I think they're embracing the trashy fun in sequences like that. I mean, maybe I don't know. He is fun though. Tracy Letts is fun in it. I will give you that. I will say when Ben Affleck fucking beans what's-his-name for American Horror Story in the face with a rock. Yeah, Finn Wittrock, yes. That was pretty pretty fucking funny. I laughed pretty hard at that one. (laughs) But I think even, like, with what you're talking about with, like, Affleck and the Armas, like, I agree that I think Ben Affleck is, I think, looks very tired in a way that kind of mirrors where his sort of, like, career and life were at at that point, but also in a way that I thought was, like, engaging in, like, a weird, once again, trashy way. Because I agree that I don't think, like it's not subtle that he's obviously going to be a murderer. And I don't think the movie's really trying to like make it that much of like a twist that he's a murderer. I think it's embracing the fact that like this dude is fucking weird and off kilter from the beginning. And that's, what's like so engaging to me, like particularly any of the scenes he has with um, shout out to Brendan Miller, who's weirdly the recurring thing in our episode um, who plays like the first boyfriend of Amanda Armas in this, and he also shows up as one of the crew, Trent, who's wearing fucking the sandals in Ambulance. Holy shit, it is yeah. him. 
Right, the same guy. Oh, I didn't know that until God. I was rewatching both these movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's him. Yeah, hey, right. like, all the scenes with him and Ben Affleck, I find so fun in a way that I think the movie is like really leaning into where he's just like, Oh, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about like, if you're kind of weirded out by me going around with her, it's like, Oh, that's no problem. I mean, the, you know, what happened to her last boyfriend? I murdered him. I'm just fucking with you. Or maybe I'm not. And I think Affleck's leaning into that in a really fun way. Every time he's just like really embracing, like, look, I'm a weirdo fucking bitter, angry piece of shit. And I, I think it's one of his more like engagingly trashy performances in quite a bit. Mm, all right. <laughs> Look, I will say, I think Affleck is having fun in this. I think he's playing it on a different level than kind of anyone else is. I think that might be the big problem with the movie. I think everybody else is on a sort of different wavelength because he's a big fucking dude. And they do play it up that he he's a big guy in this movie. Like, even when he's walking through the party in the beginning, he's, you know, six inches taller than everybody. Like, it's obvious his stature. Like, it's not like they don't point it out that he's imposing, but they don't shy away from the fact that he's kind of a big intimidating guy. Uh, but I think he's having fun. I think Anna to Armas is playing it as a straight romantic, like erotic thriller. I, I don't know. Even, even her, I think she's having a bit more of like a campy fun with certain bits. I think particularly the bit where she gives Affleck roadhead and then comes back up and picks a pube out of her fucking teeth. I think she knows that this is kind of silly. See, I didn't get, I mean, I, I, I remember the scene obviously, but I didn't take that from that. I just talk, took it as just trashy shit. I, I didn't take it as fun. I didn't take it as anything. I took it as more as like trying to have sh- some kind of shock value just so people would be like, oh my God. It reminds me of like the, you know, the Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct, uh, you know, interrogation moment and all that, where they're just trying to be shocking. And it, to me, it just, it doesn't work. I, I don't know necessarily, because it's a weird thing where the Patricia Highsmith novel, which I haven't read myself, but apparently it was actually took place in like the 50s, where I guess the, a lot of the elements that are in here would have been a lot more shocking and daring and new. True. And I think they kind of know that like, okay, we can't necessarily be shocking with all of this, but let's kind of play as much of the campy stuff as we can. And my biggest disagreement with you is the idea that, oh, they, they play to be racism too much. If anything, I wish they had more of that, because I think there's a lot more of the fun with some of the things, particularly like when they have their weird sex scene where she's like oh kiss my butt which i love <laughs> she just says like kiss my butt not even like eat my ass or anything like actually dirty it's a does she say little... does she say will you kiss my butt or kiss my ass even kiss my ass feels weird it feels more like what a child would think is dirty of just like yeah. oh, kiss my ass as opposed to anything remotely erotic <laughs> and i think it kind of plays in the fact that these two are so distant from each other that they're like oh our even our sex play feels a lot more tame because we're really distant and we don't actually have that much of a connection and i think that's really the case especially with like any of the scenes where like they're arguing with each other while the one of her boyfriends is over like brendan miller where she's just like oh let me eat that grilled cheese instead of your bullshit lobster bisque oh it's so good and it's like she has the taste palate of a child <laughs> and she like it feels like lower rent b tier like almost who's afraid of virginia wolf like not as good as that but like a fun copy basically of that we're just like oh we're bitter with each other going back and forth and i think it's like once again i think i find that to be fun in a trashy way i think we both agree that it's trashy but we disagree on like how fun some of those bits are yeah i think that's a absolutely 100 percent accurate i don't know man like i'm not i don't consider myself a prude or anything anything like that like at all uh but like i said i just think this is just just trying to just be shocking and i in today's day and age it just doesn't work for me like i don't know i i don't know 
I think if it was more, if it was trying to be more shocking, they would lean more into the sort of eroticism than I think they are in this movie. Because most of this movie isn't even about them having sex as much as Anna Darmus is having sex off screen with these other guys. And Ben Affleck is sulking about it, especially with his fucking snails, which I also love. The bit where like, oh, I've had a rough day. Let me play around with my snails who are also fucking each other, basically. Well, I'm not getting any. I'm going to watch snails fuck, basically. <laughs> Just these weird, bizarre intrusions of, that feel kind of like Sam Levinson, who's a guy I don't like. I haven't seen Euphoria, but the other scripts he's written feel way more like what you're talking about with like, oh, let me like shock and do some fucked up weird shit. Like watch Assassination Nation. That is one of the most like edge lordy movies possible, which is about like, oh, it's, it's a movie that's a, about, like it's a group of like high schoolers who oh, involved yeah, in like the leaking one. of like some like dirty secrets online and bullshit like that's terrible. It's so much more awful as opposed to I think they kind of took some of those moments that could have been more quote unquote shocking in that Sam Levinson way, like trying too hard and just embraced it being more of like, well, let's like kind of make this almost like a very over the top, like a uh, direct to video sequel to like a gone girl. That's what it almost feels like. It feels like the lower rent gone girl that would have come out like circa 2015 or so. And I think uh-huh. it's embracing kind of like the, the charm of just like, Oh, we're all doing fucked up weird things, but there's a bit of a wink in a way that I find fun. I do agree. That I don't think it's like as consistent. I, I agree with you. That it should have been shorter for one thing, and just kind of, like, got to some of these better bits. Like, I love the thing, thing personally, with, like, the bike and the fucking <laughs> him chasing after Tracy Letts, especially when, like, Tracy Letts finds Ben Affleck burying the body in the, quote-unquote, in the in the water. And he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? How are you doing, Tracy Letts? Oh, the body came up, and then they, like, tr- chase each other. <laughs> I find that kind of fun. All right. <laughs> I mean, I guess that well, that was the most fun I had in the movie. That whole scene with him getting on the bike and chasing him, and all that shit. Him, you know, throwing the phone down, fucking autocorrect, and then how are you gonna catch me now on your fucking bike and all that? And then the, the and going over the cliff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what the hell? But then the obvious, like green screen Ben Affleck. <laughs> it's so silly looking. It's so poorly done. And then the whole where the opening is actually the ending. It's just, it's such a silly fucking movie in, in not a good way. Yeah, I guess I'm arguing it's a bit more silly in a fun way uh, with some of those yeah. bits. Like even the earlier bit with like when Ben Affleck barges into Tracy Letts and uh, Kristen Connolly's like family. That was a good, outside. that was a good bit. I love all that because especially Tracy Litz has this like kind of look on his face of just like oh fuck did Stray Cat came in but it's Ben Affleck just like Mm -hmm. god damn it get the fuck out of my backyard how dare you come here I, I think those moments, that's a pretty fun moment. Or um, even like when they're getting the body of like the one boyfriend out of the pool and they like drop it and I'm like, God damn it, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> like, I, I think it's a movie that embraces that kind of campness and fun in places. But I agree, I think it should have been more consistent. I think it would have been an even more enjoyable, trashy ride than what it is. Because it, it definitely suffers from like a lot of pacing issues in particular. It should not have been like, it's a little over two hours. It should have easily been like, I don't know, an hour 45. It would have been like perfect for that. It's just way too long for what the ultimate reveal is that you know, like you said, pretty much right away, right? Like, you know where it's going. But I, I even think like there's certain bits, like you, you mentioned the, you referenced earlier the thing with their daughter, who I love is this weird non-entity in the movie where sometimes she shows up and sometimes she isn't there just for the convenience mm-hmm. that we don't want her around like the murdered bodies. And I like that her and Affleck have like a fun back and forth and leading up to her like getting in the bathtub and just being like, so daddy, how did you murder him? Well, who says that I murdered him? I mean, it's pretty obvious that you did. Well, let's just keep that between us. Just like, oh, a beautiful 
father-daughter cover-up of a murder. <laughs> yeah. It's right there. Yeah, and then, like, the daughter at the end throwing her fucking suitcase into the pool. We're not going anywhere! And then, like, she's the one burning the wallet. Like, so, are we led to believe that she can keep having her affairs, he's going to keep murdering, and they just got to accept it? I don't even think it's like they accept it. I think it's just almost like she gets the thrill of that happening. It's just like, oh, you're finally taking charge. Because I think that's... The movie tries to play so this weird, ambiguous sex game, almost. Like, Andy Armas keeps putting these boyfriends, like, right in front of Ben Affleck's face. Like, yeah, isn't it fucked up? I'm doing this, like, right in front of you. Isn't this great? Like, even when her one pianist boyfriend comes over and does his ridiculous playing, and then she backs her ass into his dick. And so she's, like, jerking him off, basically. Right, basically, <laughs> with her ass cheeks, basically. Yeah, like, I think she's trying to basically say, like, oh, isn't this fucked up? Doesn't that make you angry? Doesn't that make you want to, like... Make me all for yourself. Like, it almost feels like she's trying to court him back. And by the end, just like, oh, you killed Finn Wittruck? It's kind of fucking hot. I'll cover that up for you. <laughs> I think the movie is kind of... It, it, it doesn't do the best job of telling that, but that's at least what I interpreted the ending as. Yeah. Maybe. I just took it as they both have their fucking vices now, and they, they neither would exist without the other. That's kind of how I took it, where she's going to be adulterous, and he's going to kill him. And it's just going to play into this weird sexual cycle for him. Right. And I would argue she finds that kind of hot based on the ending. Bit oh, no, she don't. She definitely, no, she definitely does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she, like, s- smiles and then walks into her room. Like, are you going to follow me type of deal? And he doesn't. But still, that's kind of how, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think even, like, the performances on these side people, like, I love Finn Wintrock. I think he's been the best part of some very bad, say, Ryan Murphy shows yeah. in particular. Um, mm-hmm. And I love him coming and just like, oh, I'm an old friend of hers from college, and we're just palling around, right? And like he, particularly, his reactions to Affleck with stuff like where she says, oh, yeah, he was the first American I fucked. And it's like, I don't know if we need to tell him. It's like, no, it's fine. Keep going. He's like, ah, ha, ha, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I'm kind of disturbed. He's the most likable out of all like her boyfriends. I think he was fine. And then, like, him in the car, like, don't you think you're going a little fast, Vic? <laughs> like, 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 yeah, he was fine. Like I said, he takes that rock to the face like a champ. <laughs> and also, shout out to that fucking dog reactions to, like, him being, that guy being murdered. The dog is so adorable, just like, oh, well, I guess he's dead. Another victim for the fire. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it this way. I wasn't necessarily bored, but I was definitely like, where is this going in, in, why am I watching this? I, if that makes sense. Like, it kept my interest for the, uh, you know, almost two hours or whatever. But it's, you know, even talking to you about now, it's like, I don't really care about this movie. Obviously, a lot of the appeal was the fact that when this was coming out, there was the whole thing where right after they shot it, and Armis and Ben Affleck were a couple. And that's where a lot of the fun, like... Um, sort of things, especially like early in quarantine happened where they were just like, oh, we're together and we're having like a fun love affair. And then it ended with him like getting Dunkin' Donuts and it dropping in his lap and just almost feels like the movie weirdly kind of mirrors that where by the end, this is fully like Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts mode where he's just like, oh God, oh, I fucking hate this. I can't believe I'm like doing this like silly bullshit movie. But in a way where he also is kind of like having fun with it, maybe part of it is just that we don't get movies like this anymore we've there's been a lot of discussion about like oh like sex has become so limited 
in terms of like modern like blockbusters especially where it's like oh sure we have like big hunky dudes in our movies but they don't even have any kind of sex appeal they're like statues basically at this point and i kind of like a movie that's willing to embrace like yeah there's a bit of like this fun dumb sexuality that's in here but in a way that still is like kind of like winking and nodding i think the worst version of this movie is i've watched a couple of Adrian line movies in anticipation of this is like an indecent proposal or that's a movie that wants to be, like, erotic and sultry for especially, like, 1993. Um, and it is tame as fuck. Like, that movie yeah. is bizarrely sexless, despite the allure of, like, oh, it's Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore in the middle of this love triangle with, like, sexy older Robert Redford at that point. Like, oh, this is going to be, like, so hot. And that movie's, like, chased to such a bizarre Oh, yeah, degree. for sure. As opposed to this movie embraces the eroticism as much as it can. I think of anything, but like I said, it should have embraced it even further. Like, just go weird NC-17's, like, bizarreness with this, as opposed to... But that still is, like, you know, for our modern cinematic climate, it was a bit, at least, different. Yeah, I guess that's true. If they would have leaned even harder into it to where it would have been, like, as hard as they lean into it, like, in even, like, a Showgirls type of thing, where then it would have been like, this is... I can't believe they're going this far. This is crazy. Right. Uh, like, almost like after every murder, him and Andar must have, like, a huge sex scene. Like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> like, crazy showgirl pool sex. Okay. <laughs> you know? And yeah, yeah I, I guess so. That it would at least been, like, fun on a baffling level. I, like, I'm glad, I'm glad you had fun with it. Like, that's great. Uh, I, I absolutely did not. Yeah, and I, if anything, I just feel sad that you couldn't have that i wish i could have that with adam all the time where we just have like such equal fun on every movie i think we're going to be talking about that with our second movie based on your letterbox score for the other one. Oh boy (laughs) (laughs) this might be a trend so why don't we go ahead and uh, do our final thoughts on this movie and get into our other movie so adam final thoughts on deep water uh it's a movie with good looking people in it that uh is pretty boring yeah, and uh, it's, it's a movie with good people in it, I agree. Um, that is intermittently really fun, I would say. Like, it's it's. I wish it was a bit more of, like, the zaniness that we're talking about, but I think it has those kind of moments interspersed throughout in a way that made it kind of, like, once again, a, a watch where I was watching, like, just like, oh my god, this is kind of dumb. Let me pick up this new thing of popcorn and keep watching them. <laughs> like, I, I think it's a weird thing where I think we both had similar reactions in terms of like, oh, this is dumb and silly and whatever. But we at least had the the big difference is just the fact that, like, I found that kind of fun and you didn't. And that sometimes happens. And that's oh. cool. And that is just fine, baby. But now, let's get into our quote-unquote good feature, one of us may say, Ambulance. That's my brother, Will. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. And I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. What can I do you for, officer? We're just doing a transfer in the back. I'll lay uh, you in in 20 minutes. Uh, if I could just get it done real quick, because I'm on the clock, promise not to rob the place. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, because that would be bad for my job. Stop! Get out! What do you want? I'm just going to borrow it. I got a cop shot. I got to get him to the hospital. I'm going to need you to help us. Why don't you help us? We're doing hostages now. We're not the bad guys. We're just the guys trying to get home. We don't get to walk off into the sunset! You get your helos out of here now! So, Ambulance uh, came out April 8th, 2022. 
from director Michael Bay, based on a Danish film, actually. This is a remake, which I was surprised to find out about. Um, and this did come out in theaters, but uh, was not extremely successful. Uh, was cost about $40 million, only made about $51 million or so. And uh, if you're unaware, this movie is a little crime thriller uh, that stars uh, Yahan Abdul-Mateen II as Will, who's a vet who is having issues with his insurance and trying to get an experimental surgery for his wife, who recently had just given birth to their child. And uh, when he's on hard times, he goes over to his brother, Danny, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who is some sort of criminal, and they both have a, a previous life of like uh, doing a bunch of crimes and stuff like that together, that... Uh, Will is trying to get out of, but Danny's like, hey, you know what, let's have, you know, one last ride and I can help you uh, get some of the money you need for the experimental surgery for your wife. And so they have a huge bank heist that happens and things seem to be going pretty well until a couple cops walk in and they're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? And everything starts falling apart. One of the cops gets shot in the process and an ambulance comes in, uh, which uh, has EMT Cam, played by Isaac Gonzalez in it. And as they pick up the cop, um, Will and Danny hijack the ambulance and start a high-speed chase throughout downtown Los Angeles as they try and, uh, you know, kind of maneuver and get that money up. And also they have this cop who's dying in the backseat after getting shot. And uh, it's a whirlwind tour of Michael Bay uh, bizarre action beats Done with a lot of drones, which is the big sort of appeal of this movie to some people, is that Michael Bay used some drone photography and did a lot of fascinating uh, different camera movements for him. And I saw this in the theater. I had a lot of fun with it. But Adam and our patrons ended up choosing this as a good pick. Uh, did you agree with it being a good pick, Adam, now having finally seen it? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's fine, I guess. I, I don't know personally what everybody's seeing in it. That's like, oh my god, Michael Bay! Like, yeah, it's Michael Bay just doing Michael Bay bullshit. Which it's just it's so funny to me that people just shit on this guy, including myself, and I will still shit on this guy for just all he does is action porn and explosion porn. But so he does that again, but he just adds drones, and people are like, oh my god, it's fucking badass. It's just the same shit he's done over and over and over. The whole movie is dumb. I will say Gyllenhaal is having the time of his life in this movie, mm -hmm. yeah. and he is super fun in it. Like, it is Jake Gyllenhaal just at, at level 11 compared to everybody else. Like, he's really having a blast. Everybody else around him, though, is just boring if we're an action movie. And it's just, it's just, let's fucking get to where we're going going like it's an action movie that just drags ass but it's it's explosion 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 it's the same shit that people have been like i said given michael bake shit for for years now but he introduces some drones and gyllenhaal's goodness people are like ah it's good it's good no it's good well it but it is the same thing he's always done i mean this feels like bad boys it feels like bad boys too it feels like Transformers. It feels like all of those things, and which it's fine if if people like this movie. I have no problem with that. But I'm just saying, personally, I just don't like that type of filmmaking that he's been doing that long. And this is just like that for me too. It, it, this isn't far enough from the usual shit I've seen him do to to excite me. Well, I think what's interesting about sort of the reception element of this is it comes a lot from I think people kind of looking back on Bayisms 
in a different context because I've seen a lot of people kind of embrace the sort of Michael Bay aesthetic a bit more now. I think mainly just because, quite frankly, American action has like dwindled as much as it has in recent years with like most of the other theatrical releases or even the straight to streaming releases. So I think it's definitely more a case of Michael Bay has a distinctive style that people in retrospect are like, well, at least he has a distinctive style as opposed to just nothing burger bullshit that mostly comes out. But that's also the thing to do. It's, uh, that's why Nicolas Cage is so hot right now. That's why, uh, you know, it's a lot of things that people shit on forever. All of a sudden, like, no, it's good. Hey, no, no, no. Actually, it's good. That's what happens. I mean, it happens all the time. And I, I feel like it's just a trendy thing to do. In terms of this, I enjoyed Ambulance. I've seen it twice now. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily love it. Um, I would still say it's one of the upper echelon of Bay movies. Um, if nothing else, because I do agree with you that it has some of like the Bay isms, but I think he pulls back in terms of like there aren't as many like sort of the gross stereotypes. I would argue there are in a lot of Bay movies. I think this one, like for example, just something as simple as the one cop who are the one FBI agent who's like the expert on banks yeah. being in a gay relationship and it just not being that big of a deal. I think is like a massive improvement compared to that would have been an elaborate, massive, like sure. uh, back and forth between two, like huge stereotypes compared to now. I, I like the fact that it's like, not like that big a deal. And just, it's kind of like, Oh, it's embraced. And then just kind of like continues to forward from that. But how stereotypical can you make the Latino gang? My biggest problem with the movie, honestly, is the Latino gang. Yeah. It, I completely agree. For me with this movie, the setup is a bit wonky, and I think the double climax that happened during like the last 20 minutes or so are, you know, it feels like one or the other. Guys, pick one of the two, as opposed to having both of them. I think everything from when the bank robbery starts through to, like, when they do, like, the switcheroo with all the different ambulances is consistently pretty fun to me. I didn't feel that drag necessarily with the movie i felt like during that particular section that, that huge stretch is like a really like consistently fun engaging action romp i think i can agree with you on that i think it it held my attention pretty solid till that point uh but once after the switch happens it just it really went downhill for me uh and i know this sounds crazy but once garrett headland not garrett headland i'm sorry garrett uh dillahunt, dillahunt. yeah was taken out then that kind of to me, you lost the main sort of, you know, the foil. Like, he was really fun. And once they took him out, you know, not to say that the FBI guy wasn't good, but it's just you needed somebody who didn't have a tie to them. Yeah, I really wish, like, the stuff with the Latino gang probably ended during, like, after the switcheroo, and we just kind of got to, like, they're at the ambulance and they have, like, the whole sniper thing going on. I think it would have been a much more fun movie. Would have like landed from this movie that I think is fun and good, but would have been like ended up like oh this is like a great movie if they had like cut some of that shit out for me personally. Yeah, because you get the low rider with the the Gatling gun. You get the one cop's partner getting his moment by taking out the son of the head of Latino gang. You get that whole shootout scene. Then the whole shit with her shooting uh, Yao with the cop's gun. I mean, it's just it's too much. It it they it just packs in way too much. Like the stakes are already high enough. You don't need all this too. Yeah, and honestly, like you mentioned, like I agree with you that Jillian Hall is like the standout is having oh, so it's much great. fun as like a villainous character. Like every time he just pops into bullshit like the sailing or him oh, just yeah. like like, you don't understand what the fuck's happening right now. Like, I'm going to, like, or even there, him talking. Their to, whole slap fight in the front of the ambulance while they're driving is fucking great. That bit's really fun. Or even, like, the bit where he's calling um, Garrett Dillahunt over the phone. He's just like, uh, by the way, just so you, I get this straight. Uh, you're supposed to be saving the hostages, right? 
That's what your uh-huh. goal is here? That's what you're supposed to be fucking doing? And I think that, but at the same time, I also really like Yohan Abdul-Mateen and Isaiah Gonzalez. I think they have, like, a really fun, like, three-way kind of chemistry that works where she's desperately trying, like, okay, let me see if I can communicate with the FBI guys. Let me see if I can get the fuck out of here. But also trying to save this cop's life at the same time. Like, particularly, the standout sequence to me is the whole thing with, like, the Zoom uh, ruptured... Um, spleen thing. I love yeah. that. That sequence is so fucking fun and tense. And like the moment the spleen bursts, I still remember like in the theater, like, oh my fucking God, what's about to happen? <laughs> and I, I, I think all that is like really stellar. I don't think, like, you didn't like either of them in the movie though, her or Jan? They just felt like just stereotypical characters to me where she's, you know, this hard edged paramedic, you know, she's seen so much. She won't allow herself to get attached to anybody and blah, blah, blah. And then him, you know, he's this war vet who was, you know, such a fucking badass when he's in the army, he comes home and nobody cares about him and he can't get insurance. And I mean, and not to say that that's not something that doesn't happen, but it's a character arc that a character type I've seen over and over and over. It's just, they're both good in it, acting-wise. I mean, I would never say anything bad about you know, Hill, especially after fucking Candyman and, and fucking Watchmen and all that stuff. I mean, the guy's fantastic. And she has really come a long way from where she started. I mean, she's getting really good. I mean, look at her from, like, Alita to this. You're like, holy shit, is she good? Although Morbius is her standout, of course. Well, that's true. Well, Morbius, I'm sorry, by the way, that all you guys, that we didn't cover Morbius. You know, every, it's Morbin time, everybody. I'm so sorry. I tried to tell him, but Thomas is like, no, people don't like it. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's been fan campaigns. Um, but <laughs> It was released to theaters and everyone went and saw it. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that they're trying to do it again. Look, we just didn't think you guys were serious. Bring it back. We'll go see it. Um, like I said, character types I've seen over and over. I think they do the best they can with it. But to me, it's just nothing really to it. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree that it's a familiar archetype, but I think just having a familiar archetype doesn't necessarily mean it's bad to me. And I think, like, dismissing just like, oh, they do the best they can with it, I think they do a lot more than is on the page in a way, like, especially with Yahan, like, I I like the fact that he has a clear brother relationship with Danny that I felt was very believable, but at the same time, like, he wants to, like, make sure, like, he's sort of the middleman of the situation where he's willing to help out with, like, the whole spleen rupturing bit. He actually wants to, like, keep this guy alive at the same time that he's also trying to keep this money, like, being such a thing. Even, like, the scene where, like, he calls his wife over the phone, that's been done plenty of times, sure, but but he plays it so genuinely in a way where I'm just like, man, I feel for that dude, and it's a bummer that he's in the middle of the situation. Okay, let me clarify. I, I don't have a problem with familiar character types being done. I, I really don't. But when, in, in my opinion, when everything else besides Jake Gyllenhaal surrounding the movie is familiar, and I've seen it before, then it just becomes, the whole thing becomes a cliche and a stereotype to me. I, I mean, I would argue even Jake Gyllenhaal's character is very familiar. It's like, he's the wacky guy that's robbing the bank, but he's having a lot of fun right. with it. But he's, he's on a completely different level than everybody else in this movie. To me, the other ones... That, you know, like I said, I, I think they're doing the best they can with the role. I don't see it, them elevating the character archetype really much at all. There's a couple good scenes, like you said, him on the phone with the wife and the Zoom surgery scene. Really good stuff. I agree. Really tense, sad stuff, especially the phone call with the wife. You can see it all over his face. How just fucking upset he is because he's knowing disappointed. And by the way, the one of the woman who plays his wife is the one who plays Reva and Obi-Wan. Man, is she great in this in, in both of these? I mean, they don't give her a lot to do in this either, but she's really good, really solid. But Gyllenhaal has taken a very cliche character and be like, all right, I see this is very, you know, been done, been done. I'm gonna go fucking nuts with it though. 
Like I am just going to amp it up to like a 12 and just go with it. And that's what makes it so enigmatic and exciting that it is everything you've seen before done before. And even done to this level before where you've seen the wacky guy and everything, but a it's Jake Gyllenhaal doing it for one. You'd love to see that guy taking chances now and doing this weird shit. Well, he's always take chances, but you like to see him get more notoriety and attention for doing or it. Or even now. the fact that he's like physically leaning out of the ambulance several times, like shoot the helicopters, like that scene of the LA river. It's so fucking fun. Like I said, he's great in this. He's super, super fun. I almost wish that it was just the movie about him trying to get away from the cops. Like, I gotta be honest. I think that would be a lot more tiring. Hence the word almost, baby. <laughs> right, but, but, I mean, that, but I mean, that's the thing to me. It's just that I, I agree with you that like he's at this 10, 12 and that's fun. But I think if we had even like either those guys, the two of them not there or even worse, I would think all of them at the 12, that would be of the more typical Michael Bay thing that would be frustrating. Yeah, probably. I, I think they ground a lot of those situations in a much more engaging way where I'm still invested in the characters as much as I'm still having fun with Jalen Hall being so over the top and silly. I think they're a necessity and they do a great job with that necessity. I mean, that's probably true. It grounds him a little bit more. I mean, that and it grounds the, the whole package a little bit more i mean that is true it would get tiresome if it's just a bunch of fucking people at jake gyllenhaal's level i mean you couldn't watch it for as long as it is you, you that's, that's whatever you're like a transformers movie is where that's what like shia labeouf and fucking well the other that's tra- that's transformers 2 and on and the drone technology it's it it's cool the first 15 times but it's just it's so much of it it's so much of it it, it just reminds me of like Look, I got a new toy. I'm going to use the fuck out of it. And to me, it, it just it becomes stale after a while again. Like, that's the whole thing about this movie to me. I, it's exciting at first, but then it's, I've seen it now. I've seen it a hundred times. Like, okay, cool. All right. It's not the worst movie I've ever watched by any means. It's not the worst movie I've seen this year. Uh, but, I mean, if I prefer, it's pretty bad that I prefer our bad choice, which I shit on. To our good choice on this episode. That's interesting. Because even the presence of a Jake Gyllenhaal makes it seem like you would like this one more, as opposed to just being like, because with the other movie, you're just like, eh, it's a thing. Well, but that's the thing. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is the only good thing for me in this movie. Is the only thing that I'm really like sold on. The rest of it is very much, ugh. Like it's not even, eh, it's ugh. Well, to go back to the drone thing, I think what works for me, even though like he does use it a lot at the same a time, lot. I think he use I still think he uses it in very creative, clever ways every time. Like initially when he starts using it, it's sort of like here we're at the top of this building and we're going all the way fucking down it to see like to get to like the street level with everybody and then we cut to like a regular shot. But even like there's the point where he uses it like right when the cop gets shot and every like it's crowded around them as like the other cops and eventually Jake Gyllenhaal and him are like responding to that. And then um, as it keeps going, we're like literally there's a sequence where like they're in the middle of like a big traffic thing and like as they're going into oncoming traffic and the drone is like falling right behind. We're seeing cars like crash right into each other in front of our fucking faces. It's almost the thing where, like, I would have wanted to see this almost 3D, because it's just as, like, really putting you in the middle of the action set pieces. I bet this movie would be fucking sick 3D. Like, honestly, this would be a badass 3D action movie. Then I would be like, this is the greatest shit ever! <laughs> I guarantee you. Yeah, I bet. 
And I think that's the thing. It's like even the structure of like then these different like chase sequences or action set pieces, like the way that Bay like cuts in between like you know Garrett Dillahunt and everybody else examining it. I think it just really shows like the sad state of modern action that his like very crazy Gonzo style that used to annoy us has become so much more like a breath of fresh air. Considering if you watch like any say MCU action set piece that's super like previsd and much more calculated and cold and doesn't get you that immersed in what's going on, versus this zany shit. Um, I think people just embraced it a bit more, and I don't think that makes this movie great necessarily, but I do agree that it makes it one of the more fun inspired action movies we've, I've seen in like a couple years, quite frankly. You know, I, I, I guess I got to agree with you. Um, I, for some reason, I never even think of the MCU as action movies, even though they are very much action movies. I was thinking of them as comic book movies because I grew up a comic book fan. So I have more fun watching the MCU movies for the characters and, you know, sort of, oh my God, that's exactly how they are in the comics or certain lines and stuff. Like, it's definitely fanboyish for me. But yeah, I, I guess in that aspect, other than the MCU, I, I guess you would have to say the John Wick movies. Like John Wick or like Mission Impossible. But it's a sad thing where like we have to go back to like these various different franchises that keep it up. Like when was the last like non-big franchisey action movie you saw that you really enjoyed that came out in like the last, you know, five to ten years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I will not say Extraction, even though I do like parts of that movie. But I think that's way overblown. Um... I'll tell you, man, that's that's a really good question. Uh, I'm sure I, if I had time, I could think of one, but that just goes to show how prevalent it is that I can't think yeah. of one right off the top of my head where I'm like, oh, yeah, but this was really solid. I, I really, I don't know, to be honest. Like, honestly, I'm going to bring up one later in the episode that would, like, kind of equate to that um, in terms of it not being part of a franchise or any of that shit. But even, like, before that, there, there's been, like, some bursts where, like, not even, like, pure action movies. Like, say, A Wrath of Man is an example of one where, like, they have action set pieces yeah, in there, dope. but it's not even primarily, like, a big action movie. And the sad thing is, like, that's still better than what is considered primarily action movies to some degree that we get as of recent because I, I think that's what people are responding to with Bay coming back and why there's that sort of thing of like look don't know what you got till it's gone because um, when now we get this and it's just like oh it's like a bit more downgraded like this isn't a huge massive budget Michael Bay movie it's a bit more of like a, a grounded one despite how silly and over the top this is that like this is like considered a much better action movie than like a lot of the other ones we've gotten recently I think that says more about sort of the state of modern action this movie being great but I still think it's fun, despite that. <laughs> yeah, all right. To get on your train more of like some of the criticisms, I think the I mentioned the stuff with the climax. I didn't like even the stuff with a lot of the setup. There's a lot of like eye rolly bits. Like we didn't mention this, but Michael Bay references not one but two of his own movies in this movie, back to back with the two cops. Which is like, oh, you ever seen The Rock? Winners go home and fuck the prom queen, right? And then later on, it's like, let's go in there like bad boys in a scene yes. that was like, like clear. That one felt very ADR'd, <laughs> referencing bad boys. Yeah, I agree. That was awful. Yeah, and I think that's where I get more of like sort of the trouble with like the setup that you're talking about. Like the, the sort of the cliches feel a lot more staged. It's like, yeah, whenever we're dealing with this and it, it's kind of like familiar and road or whatever. And Michael Bay almost puts that in there like, okay, we have to have this setup. We have to have this pablum and then I'm going to go fucking nuts. And I think that nuts stuff is like endearing to watch in like a modern like action landscape. But still, once we get like said to the climax stuff, that's where it feels like 
still very like familiar and wrote like we know where this is gonna end let's just kind of speed this up and even the ending we're just like oh the cop gets up he's like that guy saved my life and then isaac gonzalez is like going up in slow motion to the little girl and she's like hold my hand keep holding my hand don't worry i will <laughs> that's where it feels the most kind of like what you're talking about to me it's just like yeah okay we get it like wrap it up b <laughs> cut down that those bookends as much as you can you just have the basic motivations and then we're good yeah I agree. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a bit of a rough week for you on this week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a bad one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's put you out of your misery, but Adam, go ahead and your final thoughts on Ambulance. Like I said, Gyllenhaal is super fun. Uh, It's just more the same for me of Michael Bay that we've seen a thousand times. There's nothing crazy special about it for me. It's a perfectly average action movie. Um, Yeah, I think that's the thing is if this was really saying like, I don't know, 2002, I think I would more agree with you. Just like, oh, this is like an average action movie or whatever. We were getting like multiple of these a year. As opposed to now, where it's like this is like a rare diamond in the rough of just like a non-franchise action movie that's coming out in theaters with actual stars and shit like that. That's not just dumped on the Netflix. I think, you know, it's that weird thing where like, yeah, I guess it's quote unquote trendy to some extent to be like, oh man, we missed out on the Michael, like we miss auteurs like Michael Bay doing weird shit. But I think it's less that it's trendy and more just like, oh, we don't know what we got till it's gone kind of thing. Where I don't love all Michael Bay's movies. I'm not like a guy who's like revisionist, like, oh, no, I love all the Michael Bay movies now. Transformers 4, we shit on that like six months ago. Now it's great. Not going to be that good, especially with those fucking Transformers movies. If nothing else, the fact that this didn't do very well disappoints me in terms of like, I would like to have multiple of these a year again. Of just like these smaller scale action movies that have stars in them that are willing to do just like wild, weird things that might not always work for me. But at the very least, are like more respectful, different choices, as opposed to just kind of like the plug and play we get a lot more of the time with action movies, especially the ones that are like kind of dumped to streaming. Yeah, I wish we would get more something like this or one that I I would say probably the last like American action movie that was pretty silly, even though it's also like a sci-fi horror kind of tinge, whatever. It's like an upgrade. In terms of that was the last yeah. time I got I saw like a great fucking like action set piece in the middle that was like really inventive and unique and different. Um, with uh, ambulance though, um, there's a few bits of that, particularly the drone photography, and I would say it's pretty fun overall, even with some of my issues with it. But uh, yeah, judge for yourself, everybody. It's on Peacock right now as we're recording. Go ahead and give that a view. Yeah, or don't. Or don't. Either way, however you want to spend your time, but. Adam, it's time that uh, we get to something where we are going to talk about at least a movie that you like, because uh, we're doing the double redo. Double redo. Double redo. Double redo. Double redo. Double redo. Double 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 so the double redo is a segment we do every week where uh, Adam and I, uh, in terms of uh, the topic that we're talking about, uh, we recommend a good and uh, steer you away from a bad movie each. So Adam has a good and a bad one. I have a good and a bad one that uh, we'll talk about here. Uh, so I'm going first. And uh, for my good, you know, we were talking about like American action movies kind of being less than stellar sort of spectacles. Um, I have a movie that is not an American movie. It's from India, but it's not a Bollywood movie. I believe it's a 
Hollywood. Not every Indian movie is Bollywood, and that is not the case with RRR, which is this movie that kind of has had a bit of a, like a you know a film Twitter sort of moment uh, over the last couple months, uh, where it was put in theaters and everyone was talking about how great it was. I saw it in the theater. I was like, you know what? Sure, I get. All, there's a huge sort of Indian audience in Tampa, particularly in my local theater. So I was like, oh, you know, I've seen a couple of these you know Indian movies, and they've been kind of fun, even though they're like big long extravaganzas. I'm curious to see this one. And uh, RRR is the most I've been entertained by, like, a big blockbuster spectacle in quite a bit. If you're unaware, probably, of this movie as you are. Basically, uh, this takes place in, like, 1920 um, and is about these two different men. One is from, like, a local village that is being harassed by uh, these white sort of imperialists that have come into India and have taken it over. Uh, played, interestingly enough, by uh, Ray Stevenson and Allison Duty of The Last Crusade, who are like these imperialist assholes that have come and uh, abduct a child. And uh, one of our main heroes is like, you know what, I have to like take that kid as slavery and bring her back to the village. And the other guy is part of like the big imperialist British army, who is an Indian guy. And um, he keeps trying to appeal to his imperialist leaders who keep constantly like shooing him away. He ends up going undercover to uh, try and basically destroy the resistance that's trying to come up against imperial British rule. And he meets up with this guy who's from the village, and they become fast friends. And they become, like, basically the best buddies possible. And uh, there's a lot of, like, big, over-the-top action set pieces. It's, of course, in Indian movies, there's a lot of big musical numbers as well. It's a three-hour-long, massive, big movie that has, like, so many big action set pieces that I found consistently fun. And I really like the friendship between the two of them. Those two guys, the two actors, I'm sorry I don't have their names up here, but they're really phenomenal, they're really fun. And I'm not as aware of necessarily all the politics, because these are based vaguely on real people but at the same time this movie is still like really endearing and like joyful and has so much like i can't emphasize enough how there are like cg tigers there's a big set piece that involves like oil from this fucking train that spills out and catches fire and the bridge collapses but these two guys are on like a rope saving this child from the collapsing bridge it is so fascinating and every set piece like tops the other it is so enjoyable goofy and silly and embraces all of that in a way that's very earnest and beautiful and weirdly like emotionally like heartbreaking at the same time i really love this one i think it transcends kind of like the potential like oh isn't this funny teehee we're watching a silly indian movie like american audiences i think it transcends that just to be like genuine great spectacle regardless of where it's from or us judging it for such like you know kind of like oh isn't it like a weird oddity no it's just a great fucking movie that i found personally but the bad one i have kind of relates to our last episode where i mentioned what we talked about annihilation about the alex garland movie he followed that up with and that is men which is an a24 film it's a horror film basically if you're unaware it follows um, this woman who's played by Jesse Buckley, uh, who has recently lost her husband, and she's trying to go out to the quiet countryside and have a little vacation. But uh, as she gets there, she notices all the men in the town are very um, you know, forceful and constantly berate her, who are all played by the same character actor, Rory Kinnear. And I will say that him and Buckley are very good, particularly Rory Kinnear has to do like several different characters, and I think tries to make them all somewhat different, but... The problem is, like, it's a modern A24 sort of horror film. We've talked about and we love, you know, a good A24 horror movie, but this one feels almost like it's an unintentional parody of those A24 horror movies where all of those movies have some kind of degree of, like, oh, there's a metaphor for what the horror represents and all this other stuff. And this movie, instead of having, like, oh, there is a metaphor there, but there's also engaging character stuff or really engrossing, like, various different ways you can interpret the horror, um, it's very simple. 
what the horror is trying to represent. It's very familiar. Every scene just feels kind of repetitive of what, like, that actual main message of, like, misogyny and sort of patriarchal rule over women and all this other stuff, which is a message I'm totally for. I totally 100%, like, support that, especially in our modern times, especially considering recent events. Like, I'm totally on board with that message, but it's so rote and repetitive, and it's not nearly as smart as it thinks it is. It's the first real big miss for Alex Garland for me, and uh, I just really was... It's the biggest disappointment of the year, if nothing else, for me, that one. Well... I have not seen either of yours. Big surprise. Uh, but, I mean, I'll probably end up checking out Men just because A24 or even though I'm sure it's not going to be good, but I, it's one that I'm sure I'll, I'll end up watching. And then RRR is one that, you know, you and I have attempted to do a movie night here and there to watch. So I definitely still want to see it. Uh, so, Bo, I'm actually optimistically looking forward to one and sort of on guard about the other. Um, by the way, RRR in the States, as one recording, this is on Netflix for everybody. And it, Hindi, which is not its original language, but um, it still is a lot of fun, I would argue, despite that. Okay. So for my good, I had just recently watched uh, the new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future. It is, without a doubt, the weirdest movie I've seen in a long time, and not just because it's a Cronenberg body horror movie. All of the choices made in this movie are just kind of dumbfounding but they all work what is Kristen stewart doing in this movie with her her acting it's fucking crazy i've never seen it why is vigo mortensen dressed like that uh why why is scott speedman so good in this why (laughs) like what is this movie it's the craziest fucking weirdest shit i've seen in a long time like when you think about old cronenberg body horror this fits right along up there with with all of them it's such a bizarre weird little movie and i do mean little because it's there's what maybe three locations the whole movie four at best even the casting decisions like the guy who plays the head detective and the way he's dressed and it's just what is this but i love every minute of it it's just this odd weird little movie that feels like a passion project for Cronenberg and you know of course Mortensen is like Cronenberg's guy so he's like I'll do it sure and originally he wasn't going to play the main character but then he like wanted to so Cronenberg let him and yet he had like a horrible accident riding his horse and fucked his legs up so that's why he's crouched the whole movie and yet that somehow works for the character more there's a lot of scenes of him just laying on a couch in the movie (laughs) yeah and it works more for the characters for some reason like it's just a weird weird kind of beautiful brilliant movie and I love every fucking minute of it and I'm definitely one that I will rewatch very soon uh just because i need to rewatch it again to maybe try to understand half the shit that i just saw and then for my bad very quickly it's a foreign film it's a finnish horror film called hatching or the hatching it's just hatching i believe there's no Uh, who gives a fuck it's terrible (laughs) it's one of those movies where it almost goes to the level that you think it's going to go to consistently and then never goes there. It just sort of is a whimper for me. I found it very boring. I will say the saving grace is the performance of the young girl. Uh, she basically plays dual roles. She's actually really good in it. But other than that, I just found it kind of to be a bore fest. Applaud them for using practical effects in the sort of creature. But 
it's just a really silly looking design to me. It almost looks like something from the Dark Crystal instead of something horrific. It just it doesn't work for me basically on any level. I really expected more out of it for some reason, but I just kind of left feeling eh, bleh. Um, I have seen both of yours. Um, I will say Crimes of the Future, yeah. That was one I had in contention for being one of my good choices for my double review. I really enjoy that movie quite a bit. I think it's interesting where it kind of combines the uh, body horror elements from Cronenberg's original career, but also feels very distinctly like it's part of this late era period of Cronenberg where it's so much more like kind of cynical and bitter. It's very casual with how like disturbing it is. Where it's one of those like what do you love about Cronenberg where it's just like, oh my god, some of those horrific stuff is happening. But the characters are all pretty chill about it. Just like the casualness with like the way that they sort of do their performance art, I'll just say, not to spoil anything, uh, but the way that they use that particularly toward the end of the movie. Um, with, with that, but also just the fact of like what a lot of the stuff with like the Scott Speedman character represents in terms of like sort of an almost weird evolution of man has to be in the middle of like a world that's like decaying and falling apart. Um, I really dig that movie quite a bit. It's my favorite Cronenberg in quite a while. I was since uh, Eastern Promises. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about that one. Oh, that's a great one. Um, but yeah, I, I would say this is like one of my favorites for a while for sure. And then I did watch Hatching just kind of on the strength, like you had talked to me about it. You know what? I'll give this a chance and see how I feel. Um, I don't necessarily like it. I agree with you that I think it's disappointment, but I will say, I think the first half of it is not necessarily even as much like a horror movie to me as much as like a, because the basic premise of it being like this young girl finds an egg that uh, she kind of incubates and hatches and this weird creature pops out of it. And I like a lot of the stuff with her actually interacting with that creature. I think I agree that I think the practical effects are phenomenal with that character, with that creature. And I actually, I don't mind the design necessarily. I thought that was made a bit more endearing where like it's ugly and horrific, but also kind of cute in a way that made me endeared to like the fact that it's doing all these horrible things. But at the same time, this girl sees some kind of, like, interesting, especially that have that contrast with, like, her beauty-obsessed mother and stuff like that. I thought the first half did a really good job of expressing all of that. And then as the sort of, you mentioned, the the twin element comes about, that's where I really lost interest. Just like, oh, this is what this is? I really lost interest and don't give a shit about this anymore. <laughs> so I think I liked it a bit more than you did, but I would still agree that it's a bit of a disappointment, considering what I think it presents in the first half is a lot more interesting to me. Yeah, and... Uh, real quick, the mom, they paint her out to be this really despicable, horrible person. She's really not. I mean, she is, but does she come across more like a dance mom than an absolute villain? Um, yeah, I think the first half of that is trying to display that more. It's like she's sort of like a, a, an image-obsessed sort of like beauty mom. And then as it goes along with particularly like the interaction she has with uh, another character, we'll just say, I think they try and paint her a lot more evilly. In a way that I agree is, uh, I don't think it's very fair for that character necessarily. But uh, let's go ahead and repeat our titles for everybody out there. Um, I have, uh, I'll, I'll go first here. My good is RRR. That's three R's right there. And my bad one is men. And my good choice is crimes of the future. And my bad choice is hatching. And uh, please submit your own double redo choices out there through the various different methods that we'll be uh, talking about here as we do our exit uh, and lead up to us picking 
for next week's episode, so stay tuned for that. But uh, we want to thank some people first, like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music for our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Uh, thanks to Christian Thor Lally for our artwork. Uh, follow him at Night of Water. That's Night with a K underscore of underscore water uh, for more of his great stuff. And also thank you to our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash dedbpod, where for just $1 a month, you all get to vote in polls for you know uh, individual movies and episode topics that we do. And also you get to listen to bonus podcasts that we release, uh, like later this month, we'll be doing a top 10 list podcast episode where we talk about um, our top 10 favorite alien creatures. That'll be very interesting to talk about, Adam. Will it? Will it, though? Yes, it will be. If you contribute that dollar, it'll be super interesting and worth that dollar. Oh, yeah, you guys will be super fucking stoked. It's going to be super <laughs> exciting. That's the pitch, man, I know. That's yeah. it right there. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and you also pick movies for us like Ambulance, so uh, I appreciated that. I don't know if Adam yeah. Well, hey, look, it was my choice, uh, so I guess I can't. But fuck you guys, man. <laughs> I think the only person you can blame is yourself, Adam. That's true, and I do that quite often, so it's, I guess, old hat. Uh, it's so old and tired. Adam blames himself again. It's so rude. Did Michael Bay direct this ending section of the show? You know who else has an old hat? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God, Michael Bay killed him with a drone. <laughs> Everywhere he is, he sees Doc now, because he's dead. Oh, no. Oh, well, please, for more of... Uh, us and our own uh, antics. Please uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at DEDBpod and also submit feedback and even double redo choices to us at uh, doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com, all spelled out. And uh, for more of me, find me on Twitter and letterboxes at not the who's Tommy and also do some writing at marianithomas.wordpress.com and at film credit.com. And you can find me on Instagram and the old Twitter. No, you can't. No, I lied. You can't find me on Twitter anymore. <laughs> Fuck Twitter. But you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at Atom or Adam. That's A-T-O-M underscore O-R underscore A-D-A-M. And on Facebook under my name, Adam Thomas. Send me your friend requests or a message and uh, just tell me you listen to the show. I'll prove it. We can shoot the shit about whatever you want. And Well, we can shoot the shit about a lot of things. Maybe not whatever you want. You asterisk on. Yeah, asterisks, <laughs> asterisks. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, nah. And you can also find me on uh, Letterbox at Schwanson. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-D-T-S-O-N. Once again, that's Schwanson. And uh, if you somehow want to listen to more of this and Mr. Megorium, I guess, <laughs> popping up occasionally, <laughs> subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on Talk Film Society, why not listen to all the other great shows on there? And uh, you can dig into our Podbean main feed archives where we have several, several episodes we did before we joined a talk film society. And if you know, you can't help us with the Patreon, that's understandable, money can be tight, but the completely free way to help us out is to rate, review, or simply share the show around because it gets us more visibility. Yeah, and for everyone who's been doing that, thanks guys. But now, Adam, it's time we start picking for next week's uh-huh, episode. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we do this at the end of every episode where uh, Adam and I, you know, we switch up on the quality. But one of us has two good movies. One of us has two bad movies. And uh, we, you know, have a number assigned between one and ten for each of our choices. And the other person will pick a number between one and ten and say, like, oh, I pick number four. And the other person will be like, oh, that's closest to blank, which will be, you know, the good choice. Then vice versa, it gives us the bad choice. But 
Keep in mind there's the Godfather rule that's been implemented where Adam and I each have a single veto in our back pocket we have to use by next May for our next anniversary. And it's one single veto that if we hear someone, you know, we pick that number, we hear the choice, we're like, you know what, I want to cover that movie. Uh, so I'm going to say, actually, I'll take the cannoli. And thus that choice is gone. We have to go with whatever other choice is there, but we can only do that once. It's just burn a hole and use it or lose it. So uh, we might use it here for uh, this particular episode, which was shouted again to our Patreon. Uh, this was voted on by our Patreon supporters. It's a sort of redemption thing, because we do this all, you know, once a month. We ask our patrons to, like, choose, you know, on a poll between two topics. We cover for an episode of the month. And uh, this time we had two uh, ones that hadn't won before up on the docket to be chosen. And uh, you all end up choosing... Uh, one that we almost picked, which is 70s period pieces, which I didn't expect to win between that and crime thrillers was the other choice. But I'm glad. I'm happy about that. Yeah, me too. I also did not expect that, but yeah, we'll take it. Yes, and uh, you have the two bad choices. I've got the two good ones. So uh, go ahead first, Adam, for my two good choices. Pick a number between one and ten. Okay. Uh, Number four. Okay. At number three... I have a movie that was not very successful when it came out, only, you know, about six or so years ago, but it's, a, I think, a very great, very fun, a sort of crime detective thriller. Plenty of laughs in it, too. I have Shane Black's The Nice Guys. Yes. I love this movie. I think it is so fucking funny. Perfect. All right, so I guess you're not taking the cannoli on that one, then. Based on- no fucking way. No way. <laughs> Well, uh, on the other side of things, over at number seven, I had one that I also think is pretty great, but it's more of like, you know, the comedy drama vibe. I have Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous. You know, I've never seen that movie. What? Yep, that's one of the movies that, like, yeah, never seen it. I think it's a masterpiece if you watch the theatrical cut. Yeah. Bootleg cut is good. But uh, the original theatrical cut is kind of a perfect fucking movie, in my opinion. But Adam, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. two bad picks. Hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I'm gonna go with uh, you know the the decade itself. I'll go with number seven. At number eight, I have. Uh, I'm just gonna tell you, I have 54. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one uh, that came up when I was doing my research of 70s period pieces. Um, I haven't seen it before. Oof. Um. You know what? I'll go ahead and go with it. I'll go with 54. All right. Fair enough. It's not good. Uh, at number one. I'm so number... surprised giving you the bad picks. I thought it was going to number... be a banger like Deep Water. At number one, I have a huge misfire, which with the cast is sucks, and with who directed it sucks, and the source video sucks. It's Summer of Sam. Oh, yes. The, um, the Spike Lee joint. Yep. One I also have not seen. Yeah. It's got good parts, but mostly it's just a mess. Okay, so 54 and the nice guys. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's, well, we'll be having that fun next time, everybody. But until then, uh, you know, you just got to you know keep on soldiering through this year and hope you don't get into an ambulance with Jake Gyllenhaal. Or do. He's the only good part about the ambulance. I mean, hopefully you don't, at least don't get there by eating some poison snails. Yeah. Oh, do and he oh, can get no. buried. With, <laughs> and he'll get buried along with me.